are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day you're listening to who? That was wonderful, and might I add, handsome host of this podcast, multimedia journalist and graphic designer, Miller Thomas. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we got Paven Smith on once again. We're going to be talking about a bunch of things. We'll talk about Tony La Russa. We'll talk about his pre-draft process. We'll even talk a little bit about video games. But first, if your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked On Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our roots are the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. All right, let's continue that conversation between Paven Smith and I. Yeah, do you think you still have a chance to be a position player, at least maybe like a bullpen guy that could come in on a few days rest or something like that? Do you ever see that possibly in your future still, or are you just all the way out on pitching? No, I'm all the way out on pitching. I did think if, you know, hitting didn't work out, like I was, was terrible, I'd be like, I can always have that to fall back on and, you know, try to come back as a pitcher. Uh, it's funny because David Peralta was the opposite. He used to be a pitcher and he hurt his arm and he was a pitcher in the minor leagues and I think he'll play any ball as a hitter, and now he's a beast hitter, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's a, he's a stud right now for the for the Diamondbacks. And runners yeah. in scoring position, he's one of the best uh, on the team right now. And you did mention about improving your swing a little bit because I know in the minor league system, you weren't exactly struggling, but people would say you weren't exactly living up to expectations. And then it looked like you made a little adjustment in your swing and you finished the last two seasons of the 2019 minor league season pretty hot. So what little tweak did you make to your swing to – take off like that and go on a tear to end the season yeah I think I coming into pro ball you know kind of reading uh kind of reading up on myself a little too much and people saying like oh you need to hit more home runs or whatever so I would change my swing on my own and I think I got back to you know let me just do what got me here what made me a first round pick uh and I kind of went back to old drills that I used to do uh, off the tee. I, I stopped hitting off the tee before, and I started going back to the tee before every game. And, you know, I think I just built up a little bit of confidence. And once I had some confidence back, uh, uh, I was able to keep a hot streak going. Yeah, and sometimes people's power just comes later in their career after just discovering themselves. I mean, look at J.D. Martinez. That guy, the last, what, seven years has been one of the best power hitters in baseball, and he wasn't a guy mm-hmm. who even cracked 30 home runs until he was like 27 years old, like five years uh, through his career in baseball. So some guys, it just takes a little bit longer to figure out. But what was your feeling on draft night when you were taken seventh overall? I mean, it was your second time technically being drafted. So to see yourself go as a top 10 pick, how were you feeling at that time? Yeah, it was a little different than the first draft night. Uh, this draft night, we had uh, a big party over because I knew 
for a fact that I was leaving. You kind of have somewhat of an idea. Your agent talks to people and like they have a ceiling and a floor. Uh, but like you, you wake up and you start reading Baseball America and they're like, oh, Pink Smith stock might be dropping. You're like, oh, geez, what do they know that I don't know? So you kind of start psyching yourself out a little bit, but it was fun. It was actually, you, I knew by pick five that I was going to the Dimebacks at pick seven uh, mm. because, I don't know, the GM texted them saying, we're taking, taking you, take it. told my agent. Uh, but I talked to Mike Hazen the night before and he kind of just interviewed me himself. And I felt like the interview went pretty well. And apparently it did because he ended up taking me. Yeah, what were the other teams looking at you? Can you give a little insider info here? Yeah, I think uh, if uh, they didn't take me, I felt like the White Sox, I think they picked 11. Mm. I think maybe maybe I could have dropped to them. Uh, or the Phillies, which was eight, mm. which is actually funny. Adam Hazley got drafted by them. We went back-to-back and we were college teammates. Mm, uh, okay. So I went seven and I was like, all right, we got to see where Adam goes. And he went right behind me. So it was really cool. But I worked out at uh, Citizens Bank Park uh, about OBP for the draft. So I felt like that went well. So I was like, if the Diamondbacks aren't in, then maybe the Phillies or the White Sox. Mm, do you hold it over his head a little bit that you got drafted one spot higher? You know, it's a little bragging rights you got in your back pocket oh. now. Uh, no, because he made it up to the big leagues before I did. So he, <laughs> okay. he's not bad on me. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I would say that's probably a bigger nod in the cap. But uh, imagine if you got drafted by the White Sox, Tony LaRusso would be your manager right now. It would be a pretty, uh, it would be a pretty interesting time if you're a White Sox right now, to say the very yeah. least. Yeah, did I see he just got a DUI? Yeah, well, uh, apparently he was given the DUI back in February, but he wasn't charged with it until October. So it was actually oh, charged with so it I- a day before the hiring, <laughs> which is crazy. Oh, wow. I didn't see that. But yeah, uh, Tony LaRusso, I remember watching him uh, living in Jupiter. The Cardinals spring training is right here. So I was going to watch the Cardinals and Marlins spring training games and him being in the dugout. So it's yeah. pretty cool. He's coming back. Yeah, apparently he got uh, he was given the DUI here in Arizona, too, right next to Sky Harbor Airport. So I'm pretty oh, sure wow. you and know where that, where that is. Yeah. Arizona doesn't mess around either. It's You can have one drink and then give you a DUI. Yeah, apparently he told the arresting officer, like, he was, like, showing him his Hall of Fame ring. He's like, do you know who I am, buddy? I'm a Hall of Famer. This is legit. So uh, a lot of yeah, people... That doesn't are, work. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't... Yeah, so a lot of people are just clowning Tony LaRusso right now. So Gary Sheffield Jr. had, like, a tweet with Jersey, and it said, like, 0.8 on it for the blood alcohol content in his blood at the time. That was, like, the Jersey number, 0.8. So a lot of people are just joking on Tony LaRusso right now. We'll see what the White Sox do if they want to keep him or not i mean the 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 scrutiny uh right now just mounting on the white Sox. people hated the hire before the dui and now that you know the dui is public people really don't like the hire apparently the white Sox knew about the dui too before the hiring they're they're probably just hoping it didn't get out yeah yeah so just all of it just bad right now it doesn't look too good but uh one other question i had about your draft did you get any weird pre-draft questions because we hear this all the time in the nfl guys get asked really weird questions in this pre-draft process so will you ask any weird pre-draft questions that you could remember off the top of your head uh no uh i don't remember exactly any questions i remember having to be at the field be at the like all, tw- I actually had twenty nine. I had meetings with twenty nine scouts. I didn't have a meeting with the Orioles of all people of all teams. So mm. it was like two days of 
straight like six hours like each day of just straight meetings uh you know doing eye tests doing personality tests uh but i don't remember any like crazy questions that they had uh i think most of them were done on tests and they would just get your personality from that yeah what kind of tests were they was it like actual written tests or is it more like there was a bunch of no it was a bunch of uh like probably like 150 questions and it was like which word best describes you out of these four when you had to pick and that's always hard because it's like i don't know maybe none of these okay maybe yeah. two of these but you have to pick one it's like i don't even know what this word means uh, <laughs> so yeah and how much does that actually help you decide who's a good baseball player or not i mean i, I really don't have to know your personality i just need to know if you're a hard worker or not who really cares right about i think that's what they're trying to trying to get out from that but uh I don't know. I think when they meet with you, I think they can sort of tell. But, you know, some people can put on a fake act for, you know, 30 minutes. So, I, I don't know. Paven and I will continue that conversation in just a second. But first. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to that conversation between Paven and I. I with them. Was there any other teams where you felt like they could take you? Yeah, well, all the meetings were actually uh, before the year started. So I didn't know exactly uh, before the junior, my junior year started. And I had a good junior year, so I might have like helped myself out. So I, I couldn't really tell like you know which teams are going to be in play for me so I kind of just took every team you know seriously and you know went to and went into every meeting uh you know trying to be my best self but uh I didn't every everyone's pretty nice though when they're when they're meeting with you so you can't really tell which one is like a little nicer <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true they, they're all probably putting on the same face for everyone but uh yeah. you finally made it to the big leagues this season of course it was a uh, Pretty not normal rookie season, of course, being in a pandemic, no fans. So, you know, when you had that dream of being a, a rookie and making your major league debut, how different was that dream as a kid versus when you actually made your debut in a pandemic? What was the biggest yeah. difference that you think between the two? Yeah, so I think the call and everything, when you get in a phone call, was all how I would have imagined it. Maybe the only difference is I, I actually thought – so when I was a little kid, I was always screaming that as a call because everyone's talking about like the call, like a quote, quote unquote. But mm-hmm. uh, when I got into the minor leagues, I always figured, you know, I would get called into like the manager's office and like the whole, my whole team would be there uh, and congratulate you. So that was a little different that way because I was sitting in my apartment in Arizona at like 11.30 p.m. Good thing I answered it, but <laughs> – yeah. uh, uh, but then going into my debut, it was a little different, you know, obviously no fans, which I don't know if it helped me or not. It was like a little, probably less nerve wracking. Uh, and being at the alternate site a bunch this year, you got to play in Chase stadium a lot. So it was like, I've been in this situation before and it's the exact same because there's no fans. So I've been in this stadium with no fans playing baseball a bunch this year already but the only difference was it meant a lot more it was on tv uh you know the guys around you are counting on you for wins a lot more so it was definitely still nerve-wracking uh and fun uh 
all the same fun, I think. Uh, and it'll just give me another experience, hopefully next year, when there are, if there are fans, you know. So I get to do it all over again. I have that same sort of feeling. Yeah, you didn't play a ton. You only had 37 at-bats, but you were pretty impressive in those at-bats. Bad 270, pretty solid OPS as well. So what kind of impression do you think you left on the team? Do you think you're going to have a chance to fight for a roster spot next season and potentially be in that starting lineup? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to work as hard as I can to to do that. Uh, and, you know, not take anything for granted, going to spring training, uh, acting like I haven't made the big leagues before, and uh, just playing – as hard as I can, giving everything I have, uh, you know, to help the team win and help the you know team get better. So I'm gonna try to continue to get better myself every single day, and you know, work on things I need to work on. Okay, and so what were you doing exactly before that you got the call? Were you just training at the alternate site and just staying warm the whole time? Uh, yeah. So at the alternate site, you kind of just played inner squads every day, which was mm-hmm. nice. Like there wasn't as there wasn't enough people to have a uh, nine hitters on each team or play nine innings so you'd play like five inning games but i would still get like four or five at bats there was only uh like four or five people in the lineup you know so oh, really had a bunch of had a bunch of coaches playing the field uh but you know you got good at bats and everybody that they invites to the alternate site is a prospect so mm-hmm. you know you're facing pretty de- decent pitching yeah, and I'm sure they all want to, you know, make their mark in that interleague, mm. in their squad game and show why they should be the first one called up. So I'm sure they weren't just going easy on you guys either. But uh, yeah, and we, and we had uh, we had coaches calling balls and strikes, so it was a little bit of a bigger zone because they had to call it from behind the uh, behind the mounts. Mm. Yeah, that's a little bit tougher. But uh, I wanted to know, what were you doing exactly on your off days then? Because obviously, strict protocols, you can't really do too much. So what were you doing to in your free time just to let out some steam during the season? Yeah, we probably had an off day once every like two weeks. So not a ton of them. Probably had like probably four of them. And uh, I went – so my fiance was out there for a little bit, and we went like – hiking where there's not a lot of people uh but didn't do much we had a pool at our place you know hung out by the pool a little bit uh but when she wasn't there i'd just play some video games order food and kind of just hang out relax sleep in <laughs> mm. not a lot what video games are you on right now uh so i play call of duty uh i play uh i played a little bit of uh pga tour Mm. Uh, and a little bit of FIFA, but mostly Call of Duty. Okay, so you're playing PJ Tour, but no Madden or 2K in there? Uh, so I used to be really good at 2K. And then, like, some of my friends stopped getting it. So, you know, it was like, what's the point of being good if you can't show it off to your friends? You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, it's like the first year I didn't really get 2K in a long time. So, yeah. uh, but Madden, I was never that great at. I would always play it when my friends would come over, but. 2K I was really good at, don't really play anymore. And now I just picked up what well, I've played Call of Duty a lot, but the new Warzone. Uh, I've been playing that a lot. And I know the new Call of Duty comes out in a couple of days, so we'll see about that. Yeah, it comes out pretty soon. I can't blame you with the 2K. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing every year. People only buy just because they want to get the new player ratings. That's really the only thing. Right. And so they could get yeah. the rookies in the game. I never get so mad at a game besides. 2K, just like yeah. the dumbest stuff happens in that game where they just can't make a simple pass five feet. And I'm just like, this game is so stupid. It's that shot clock <laughs> cheese, man. It's that shot clock cheese. We know it's be bugging at the end of shot clocks. Yeah, so back in like 2K, 
13 and 14. I was so good at that game. I, but it was like, it was definitely not as realistic. Like if you faded away, it was like a better chance of it going in. So <laughs> yeah. like I knew all the, I knew all like the stuff that, uh, you know, the average person wouldn't know about like certain players and like where they make their shots. But I haven't, I haven't got been that dedicated to it in a couple of years. So I don't know all like the, I play people now and they're doing all these stinking like street NBA moves, like where they're just like Kyrie Irving dribbling. And I, I normally just like pass the ball a lot and just like get open shots instead of making like a bunch of crazy dribble moves. But that's how it works in this too. Yeah. You got to go to the blacktop too. That's where the real action goes down. That's where yeah. all the best ballers uh, are going to be. And I'm never really in the blacktop. I usually just do like my career mode or like my GM. I love just doing the my GM mode and just doing all the fake trades and pretending I'm building a super team or something like that. Even though I'll what's probably- your, uh, what's your, my player build that you use? <laughs> my my player build i'm usually doing a point guard making him like six five six six you know want him to want him to tower over everyone but i want him to have the ball in his hands the whole time so make him a little bit bigger and then usually put shooter and slasher on just so i can make all my three-point shots and get to the hoop i'm not really too concerned about passing or anything like that i just want oh to, yeah they don't need a pass yeah no we don't <laughs> need teammates like you could put me on the warriors no one else is getting the ball <laughs> i'm taking every so shot. Are you uh, are you a grinder or do you you slip in a couple bucks that make your guy go up to about eighty seven right away? No, no, no. I'm grinding. I'm not trying to put any money into two K. Yeah, you already spent sixty dollars on it. So <laughs> yeah, the game's already so expensive. It's already like sixty five bucks because I'm like a I like to get the disc. I just like the physical copy of it for some reason. So I'm usually yeah. buying the disc for like sixty five bucks. And yeah, I, I'm never. I'm usually never buying money because I really don't even have like online. I have my xbox here but like i don't have online for my xbox so i'm technically just playing by myself honestly i never really uh-huh. got into the online but i have a playstation here as well and i have online for that but i usually just do it for fortnite honestly that's about the only yeah. thing i play online for that's it for this edition of the locked on dimebacks podcast come back tomorrow because it's your team every day Thank you to Paven for coming on yesterday. You know, that was part two you heard today. We'll have part three coming out tomorrow, the final install and final installment of my conversation with Paven. And remember, go follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, at LockedOnDiamondbacks for my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle for the podcast account. And as always, hope you guys are staying safe and staying healthy. Deuces!